can't think of anything. This is... Hey, Scott. Yes, sir. I can't think of anything to say right now. Coming to you almost live from deep in the center of the earth, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your handsome, debonair, attractive, yes, genteel. Mm. Sounds too much like genital. Fair enough. We are, however, your hosts. We are. We are. And we are coming to you in between two milestones. That's true. We wanted a bit of a buffer episode. We did. We wanted... We wanted there to be a climax and then kind of like a, a moment to catch your breath before you climax all over again. Yeah, we are <laughs> we are on the downs. We're we are going back up the hill on the roller coaster. You had better be sexually excited. <laughs> because that is what our podcast provides. Sexual excitement about all things geek, really. Uh, and Edmonton. All things Edmonton as yeah, well. Yeah, to me, interchangeable. Uh, are you saying that Edmonton is a town of geeks? That is, that is exactly what I'm saying. And I think our audience is okay with that. Okay. By the way, uh, speaking of being sandwiched in between things, our last episode, of course, our 50th episode, very we, exciting. And we had all of our previous guests back. And they were surprisingly repetitive. And uh, really <laughs> kind of looked the same, too. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think many of them changed their clothes. It was really interesting to go back and listen to all that stuff, wasn't it? It was. Um, we actually went back and listened to... Our previous 50 episodes. Yeah. It took a, it took about, oh, let's say what's 50 times 1.5. That many hours. <laughs> it took a great deal of time. It that's, did. And that's why the episode was a, a couple days later in coming than normal. Absolutely. Because it took a little more groundwork, but it was very rewarding. It was. It was. And in fact, we, I mean, we had a few of our guests comment on how funny it was to hear what they had to say. Some of them Nearly two years ago. It's true. Really, really unusual. And and I have to say my favorite, God bless you, Dan Tenser. I love you. But it was so funny to ask him that question over a year, over almost two years ago about expansion teams and whether or not a team would ever, uh, an NHL team would ever come back to Canada. And when I was listening to that episode, trying to pull a clip from it, of course, we were on the eve of this deal being made around the Atlanta Thrashers and the Winnipeg Jets. And Dan said, I don't think he said anything incorrect in the clip that I pulled. He questioned the viability of a team in Winnipeg. Not whether or not a team would move to Winnipeg, but whether or not they could last there. And that remains to be seen. That's true. And even if he had been saying that that a team wouldn't go to Winnipeg, I mean, two weeks before the Atlanta Thrashers were purchased by uh, a Winnipeg sports interest. And a more interesting billionaire than our own, I dare say. Uh, indeed. Uh, even even two weeks before then, if you had asked most sports pundits, they would have said, no. Yeah. Of course not. That's a ridiculous thing. Well, because it kind of snuck up on everybody. I mean, there was some talk about the Phoenix Coyotes and then there was some speculation about the Thrashers, but it all came together very quickly. And uh, I think it caught a lot of sports people Rather by surprise. And and in a good way, of course. Everyone yes. is, is more excited. I, I dare, I, you know, I mean, we're, we're in the midst of the playoffs. And by the time you hear this, 
Um, who knows? Will the Vancouver Canucks have won the Stanley Cup? Now that I've said that, the answer is no. So we're still in the midst of a Stanley Cup final. That's true. We we may, however, already know who the winner is by the time you were listening to this episode. It's true. This It makes this whole conversation really awkward. But the point I wanted to make is that Vancouver is not Canada's team. Winnipeg is. And they haven't played a single game on Winnipeg ice since the 90s. But I'm I'm calling it right now. The Winnipeg, whatever they call them, that's Canada's team. Not even the Edmonton Oilers? Or the Calgary Flames? You know, my, the my, Ottawa Senators? Who? They, the, uh, my mother always taught me, Toronto Scott. Toronto Maple Leafs. If you have nothing nice to there's, say. There's the Montreal Canadiens. About every named. terrible Canadian <laughs> team out there. Don't say anything at all. Fair enough. Fair Fuck enough. you, Toronto. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we started. Talking- <laughs> and, and here's the thing that he just strongly implied that that was the best thing he could say about Toronto, because otherwise he would have held his tongue. But I don't think that's. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's unique. No, I'm just kidding. I love Toronto. Great place to visit. Never lived there. So anyway, we're not actually going to continue talking about hockey for this entire episode. No, we will, we will have a sports show forthcoming. Absolutely. It will be another hockey show. Plans are in the works. We have that going. We've mentioned it before. We're just waiting for the right time to pull the trigger on that. We just wanted to mention the Dan Tenser thing. That's right, because it, because it was interesting. And and Karen Unlin even commented on how funny the clip we pulled uh, from her episode was, given that she has left her position with the Edmonton Journal. I wish her all the best. In fact, she's doing great things. She's she's actually working with us right yes, now. That's true. Helping to sort of coach members of the ethereal League of Extraordinary Media as it's of, sort of which we are a member. Yeah, and, and it's sort of coalescing around something. We're not sure what yet. But it's, Karen is it's helping. coming together. It is. It is. And Karen uh, is the core of the Voltron that the league is currently she is forming. she is a singular dilithium chamber <laughs> powering the starship new media in the city of Edmonton. We uh, haven't had a good Star Trek reference in a while, so there you go. You know, I've really I have really been dropping the ball. But but carrying on from our previous conversation, I'm going to grab that ball and jiggle it around ferociously <laughs> in our season finale next episode. Now, unfortunately, Scott won't be able to join me in Calgary next week uh, for the Calgary Expo. It's true. Because Scott, I don't know if you people know this, uh, James Brown has a claim to fame, but it's bullshit. Because Scott, Scott C. Bourgeois, because Scott C. Bourgeois is the hardest working man in show business. Uh, presently. The present hardest working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm working as a roadie for you two there on that tour. And that's yeah, you, not true at all. I, you, that's that's, that's <laughs> terrible hearsay. Single-handedly assembling and disassembling that spectacular stage. That's right. And it, that's why it takes four days. But so, it's a one-man job. So, so Scott won't be joining me at Calgary Expo, but I will be hopefully talking to Jonathan Frakes, the likes of Tia Carrera, and, uh, and uh, George Romero, the godfather of uh, non-souls, the godfather of the undead, the man who invented the modern zombie genre. Is that yes. fair? Do you think that's fair? I don't I don't know if he necessarily invented the undead. No, no, no. Those have been around for a while. Well. But he certainly did uh, create the modern spin on the zombie. He is basically the modern public relationist when it comes to zombie culture. I uh, read an article once. I believe I'm, you. I'm well read, <laughs> and I read many esoteric articles on 
dozens of subjects. One such subject was uh, horror, and it might have even been for a course I was taking at university. Uh, but it presupposed that the the popular monster of every kind of generation encapsulates the fears, the societal fears of that generation. And that's why there was a time when vampires were really scary, a time when werewolves were really scary. And nowadays, vampires and werewolves are, you know, the things that teenage girls are in love with. And in the meantime, our fears have shifted to zombies. So it, it would be interesting to uh, perhaps in a future episode speak to a sociologist and a horror buff find out what the root fear is that makes people afraid of zombies. Well, I feel like we can I feel like we can at least cover it a little bit right now. Consider the fact that in the late 70s early 80s, the great fear of mankind was nuclear war. Um atomic energy was terrifying. It gave rise to things like Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen, Godzilla in Japan. And you know, they have just sort of undergone this awful nuclear crisis there and and fortunately most people have been polite not to mention godzilla in that context at least no one that we listen to that i know no um and we're not going to do that right now no insert godzilla sound effect here (laughs) but but zombies you know over the last 10 years have spoken to this notion of genetic manipulation, the study of viruses and how the fallout from that study could affect mankind. I've also heard somebody suggest that it's people's innate alienation from each other, their their fear of other people. You mean the internet. It's because of the internet. You're yeah. saying it's be the internet's fault. Yeah, the internet. It's probably the internet. Yeah. It's the internet. That the single, <laughs> the only way that you're able to listen to us is what's causing the zombie apocalypse. I believe that. I there do you believe go. that. I believe that, and it makes me really sad because I love the internet, Scott. But you also love zombies. Yeah. I don't know. This is this is. I'm struggling. <laughs> I think I think I like the internet more because it has allowed me to meet people who aren't undead, and it has allowed you to literally make a living. Indeed. Speaking of undead, or not speaking of the undead at all, I, w- I want to ask you something. Sure. I want to ask you exactly what the hell is going on in Edmonton right now. Why? What's with our murder rate? What is what is going on, Scott? I'm going to say that it is gang violence. It seems to be isolated to particular... Uh, um, Subcultures. I didn't want to say ethnic violence because that sounds that sounds racist. racist. It sounds and, racist. And but at the same time, that's where a lot of the gangs are situated. And like I wanna I wanna I want to tell you people out there listening right now, you are not going to get stabbed in Edmonton. You are not going to get killed unless you are involved in the gang culture. And that's because all the people who are killing each other know one another and they're involved in drugs, gangs, that kind of thing. And I mean, that's universal. So I don't know why there's an upswing in gang violence, which is what ultimately this is. It's just, there happens to have been so many deaths because of it. Yeah. And it's, it's just so striking. I mean, I think we're up to, is it 27? Uh, we're up in the high twenties. Yes. And, and it is, it is, I mean, Calgary, if Edmonton. Calgary's is, got like two. Yeah. 
I think it. I think it's two. I, it might. It's, it's, it might be as high as three. It's so low. That you it's could count absurd. it on one hand. Yes. So so um, I'm I'm worried. I, I love this town. I'm I'm worried, but at the same time, when I'm walking home from downtown, and it's relatively late in the evening, I have to admit I don't feel unsafe. And it might be because I'm delusional. It might be because I'm. On the sauce when I'm walking home from downtown, but I, I, and it might be also because I'm a white male. So there you go. I don't know, but I'm. It it bothers me. And Edmonton, Edmonton has a lot to overcome to attract people here in the first place. The last thing we need is a murder rate as high as the one we have now. Well, and I mean, we're only halfway through the year. It's possible that the murder rate might level out and we might be stuck in the high 20s for the rest of the year. I would say I hope unlikely. so. I hope so. But uh, that could be the case. But yes, we are certainly on route to being, to, to breaking records. But uh, I mean, even the police have all been saying that it's unusual. It's a weird year for it. And yeah. You can't really, you can't really predict that kind of thing. So in, in, a, in an unusual year with an unusually high crime rate, uh, well, I don't know. Is is the overall crime rate higher? That's, that's a, good, a question. good question. That's a good question. Because it's very possible that although a number of high profile crimes like homicides have been on the rise, have there been many break ins this year? It could be that there are other crimes which are seeing uh, a major uh, downward trend because of it. I really wish that we had the prescience to have a computer in front of us right now, which or, we usually do. Or a police officer. Or a cop. Who could answer our question. But I'm. I'm I'm drinking beer while we record this. Is that allowed? Uh, it must be because you're doing it. I, I love it. <laughs> this is why I love having my own podcast. This is Adam coming to you almost live from the set of Breakfast Television. I'm sitting next to Ryan Jesperson, Man About Town. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a thrill to be here. I believe it's my first time officially on the Unknown Studio. That's right. I, we, you read part of Larry King's biography at our birthday uh, last year, which we featured on the show, but uh, but this is this is actually your first official time, so welcome. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing, as you know, and uh, many a morning here off-camera at Breakfast Television, I enjoy my coffee from an unknown studio mug, so it's a pleasure to be able to pass along a BT mug for you to take with you. Cool. Thanks very much. Now, the reason that we're talking with Ryan today is because this weekend he was part of a movement, were you not? Yeah, absolutely. What a thrill to be uh, hosting alongside my wife, Carrie Skelton, uh, the annual TEDx Edmonton conference and uh, just an absolutely amazing gathering of people, creative thinkers, and then uh, a crowd chock full of people that were uh, eager to hear ideas that they maybe hadn't heard before. So uh, yeah, a really great way to spend a Saturday. So obviously not a tough decision to make when you were approached to host the event. No, when we heard that it was coming to Edmonton and, and I knew that Art Scene Edmonton was behind it, uh, you know, Carrie and I had, had discussed it, not knowing whether or not uh, they might ask us. And, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, off the beginning, it hadn't crossed my mind, but the minute that uh, Ken Batiste and his team approached us. It was, uh, as they say, uh, the richest cliche, a no-brainer. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, even though the decision was a no-brainer, I understand that people's minds were challenged and, and, and provoked into thought this weekend. What were some of the highlights for you? 
Well, uh, I'm a big fan, as I know a lot of Edmontonians are, of Todd Babiak. Um, you know, we, we've obviously read his books and, uh, and of course, read him regularly, his column in the Edmonton Journal. So I was very interested to hear uh, exactly what his idea might be and how he would present it. Of course, TED Talks can vary so wildly in both message and delivery. Uh, Todd is, is quite an orator. He's not, uh, I, I don't think, doesn't fit the cliche of a, of a writer that needs to sit and tweak. When you hear him talk, I think you can imagine him banging out columns in 20 minutes. Um, I loved the principle of his idea on story. That is, if you don't understand story, you can't succeed. And I think that the way that he rolled that out to indicate that this fits those uh, that have more of a corporate lifestyle, those that maybe uh, take on more artistic endeavors or pursuits, he really developed the idea well to help us understand uh, the role that story as a concept has played um, in, well, I mean, for that matter, throughout recorded history, as we know, and, and oral history, but, but also present day, the importance that storytelling holds and uh, the importance that storytellers hold. And I think that that was an inspiration to anybody that has an idea there, uh, regardless of what the idea might be. You need to be able to explain to people exactly what that idea is and why it matters to them. Yeah, and he also, uh, I mean, that theme kept coming up throughout the day. Everyone was talking about how critical it was to have a narrative, and I think that came through a lot when we heard from, uh, I think it was Aaron Flynn from BioWare, talking about how their success isn't because of game engines or villains that they create, but it is the story that they write around it. And in fact, uh, they hire more writers than they do IT professionals, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, and like you said, the, the theme just absolutely kept rolling forward. I mean, you know, we heard from other stories uh, we were talking to. I mean, you know, when it comes down to it, say like, you know, Laura McElvey is in from Alberta Research Council, and Alberta, Alberta Research Innovates, rather, and uh, she talks about taking bio-waste and turning it into a tangible product that can be used in building. Well, that in itself is a captivating story. She opened by joking around, uh, you know, people don't think engineers are sexy. Well, I'm here to tell you that engineering can be sexy and what a sexy idea to take hay that's just laying as chaff on a farmer's field to be blown away into nothing at the same time to harvest that and turn it into a tangible building material in her case for the purposes of illustration they built a longboard deck I mean it doesn't get any cooler than that but it gave an idea of the story of what can happen when someone's inspired by an idea and and can roll it out and and really 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 interesting stuff so this was a day-long event with different, I guess you could call them, uh, segments. Um, what, was the, what was it like from your perspective? I mean, you and Carrie sat in the audience, and, but you were also furiously taking notes and stuff. Do you feel like you were able to get a lot out of, out of it? I think so. I, and I think all you do, your mandate as an audience member at something like a TED Talk or TEDx Edmonton is to just sit and show up ready to absorb. You know, you don't know what to expect. You know, sort of uh, general themes. Malcolm Azania was there uh, speaking. He closed the, the show out um, and, and he talked about the death of small talk and, and it was very interesting to see I was intrigued by the title of his talk but what would it actually mean and of course we should mention to the unknown studio listeners that within a couple of weeks time they'll be able to view all of these talks at tedxedmonton.com so you'll be able to see what we're talking about but the challenge for me to be candid was knowing full well that I was in a group of, of, of uh, not only inspired but inspiring individuals that would expect us to make observations, uh, be it two, three sentences worth in between the speakers, but to go up there and, and try to understand what the most meaningful part of the message was, because in all reality, it was 18 minutes of inspiration coming from each one of these people. So really, I mean, I guess you go up there and you comment to what speaks to you. 
it didn't hurt to have the TEDx Edmonton Twitter feed rolling through on my iPhone the entire time because and what a cool way to 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 get off the beaten path here for a second. What a cool way uh, with social media now and the options we have with these searches and hashtags to be able to see by the second what sort of messages or what sort of concepts are resonating with your fellow audience members. And that to me was also a really big highlight. Yeah, it was kind of neat to see almost the wisdom of the crowds, uh, whether or not people were gleaning the same insights out of those uh, out of those talks. And there were only a few where I saw some people were like, well, this talk wasn't for me. Generally speaking, I think the quality of the presenters at TED, uh, testament to Ken and his team for picking the right people, they were all excellent. Well, sure. But I mean, at the same time, you know, I mean, you go to university and you sit in a class with a professor that you think is absolutely out to lunch. Well, what is that force you to do. It forces you to reconcile within your own mind why you don't agree with it, why you think what they're saying is malarkey, why you think your perspective or your approach to something is better or is smarter or is more well-informed. All in all, it's still part of the process, which I think is the idea of TED and the theme of this TEDx Edmonton was seeds of inspiration. Well, even if somebody presents something that you think is ridiculous, it certainly planted a seed within you and maybe you pursue your own way of thinking or maybe it gives you a new perspective. Well, hey, I'll tell you one thing. I guarantee you every single one of those speakers, if they could walk out of there knowing that you didn't agree with them, but they got you thinking, I think they'd be just as happy as knowing that they had won you over with their idea. And that's exactly the point of TED. Now, uh, they've announced a few subsequent TED events. There's, they're going to do TEDx Education. They're going to do another TEDx Edmonton. And they're talking about um, the education event being also kid-focused. So because they've had a lot of success with TEDx youth events across the planet. Are you and Carrie going to be involved again? I thought you were going to ask, are Carrie and I going to be pregnant by by that time? Are you getting that question a lot right now? For some reason, people feel entitled to ask when we're going to have a child. Uh, I, I just tell them that we can't. And then the, the, the wave that washes over their face of regret for asking the question. I should clarify, we don't know whether or not that's not true because we haven't tried. But I, I digress. Um, obviously, moving forward, we would love to be a part of future TED events. I think, you know, when you look at the things that... Um, Art Scene and Next Gen and Intervivos and all of these groups um, are working to bring to Edmonton. I think that, that TEDx is going to be a jewel in those crown. Uh, in that crown, we've, we've seen Pachakcha, uh, a.k.a. Pachakucha, uh, grow in popularity. We've seen other things like a designing downtown event that brought in architects from Vancouver and, and, and Calgary and Edmonton. Um, these types of things are important, and it's really amazing to see uh, more and more familiar faces, but also a lot of new faces at these events. Um, we know that the venues are going to grow. We've heard that the next TEDx will be able to accommodate 600 people as opposed to, I think, the more modest, what was it, two to 300 yeah, at this one. Um, so, I mean, that's exciting stuff. And, and, and how do you not want to be a part of it? I'll tell you this. If we're not hosting, we'll be in the audience. All right. So what about, uh, what about giving your own TED Talk? Have you thought a little bit about that? Are you dreaming big? Uh, I... During the lunch break at TED, uh, joined Todd Babiak and, and Mac Mail uh, out to check out part of the Pride Parade as it was rolling into Churchill Square, and Todd asked me that same question. And, and my answer was, was was a quick one because it's a very honest one, and that is that I don't know that I have something that important to say. Oh, if you're going to get up there for 18 minutes and occupy a spot at this incredible event as one of the feature speakers, I think you've got to have an important message. I wouldn't rule it out. Obviously, I would love to be a part of it. I'm a big believer in what they do. Um, I've uh, spent countless hours at TED.com watching TED Talks and, and gleaning new ideas and, and laughing and thinking until my brain hurts. Um, I'll tell you, if I ever find inspiration, I'd love to do it. Well, thanks for talking with us, Ryan, and thank you 
for the City TV mug. Yeah, you bet. And uh, it's a thrill to have you here in the BT studio and a thrill to be on Unknown Studio. So thanks, Adam. Well, we hope to have you back again. I understand that Larry uh, Larry King has a new biography out that you're probably going to want to read to us one day. Uh, yeah, well, hey, uh, if he gets married again, then he's going to have a whole new uh, monologue, and I'll be happy to rip that off maybe at Unknown Studio's second birthday party. Right on. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Time to check the old email. Dear Jeff and Sally, what the heck's the Edmontonian.com? Adam and Scott. Well, Adam and Scott, the Edmontonian's a local news and information website, but it's collaborative, so anybody in Edmonton can write and create content for us, and it's all things Edmonton news, neighborhoods, sports, arts, events. Sally, can you get off the phone? I'm trying to answer emails. TheEdmontonian.com. On the internet since 2009. So while we have an unusually... uh, Yeah, I think we can say an unusually high homicide rate. We don't know about the crime rate. We also have an extremely high uh, price point for renting properties, as Rachel and I discover as we sort of try to find a place to move into at the beginning of the summer. Edmonton is among the highest places to rent property, like in terms of price, in Canada. Yes. I fucking hate that. Yes. Because I'm trying to find a place to live with my lady friend. Yes. And it's not really working out for us so far. That's why I purchased a home. I want to slap you. We're probably two years away from having a uh, an adequate down payment to buy something. Fair enough. And and here's a question for you um, that you're, you're not going to be able to answer. Why do Edmontonians hate cats? Answer me that, Scott. I don't know that Edmontonians hate cats. Why do Edmontonian landlords hate cats? Because Edmontonian landlords don't want to clean up cat hair. I will pay you extra. Cats are... And this is coming from a person who's not a cat owner. Oh, this is going to be good. It is my belief... Liar! (laughs) ...that cats are more destructive to a home than a dog. I don't know that that's true. And I don't know that it's not. Yeah. And, you know, it might depend on the dog. Or the cat. And and I I would certainly say that having owned many smaller dogs, they are a little tidier. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I've been in houses of friends who own a cat, even just a cat. And it seems a little more ubiquitous that this is a cat home. But, but my cat is lazy. I'm not saying your cat isn't. I know. I, I am of the impression that cats are a little harder on a on a, a domicile, and that might be why landlords are a little more reticent for like cats. Fair enough, fair enough. But but um, I feel like, I, I feel like that, that should be something that's open to negotiation now. And I'm speaking as someone who's looking for a place and desperate to find one. But I was talking with a friend of mine out of Vancouver who actually said, yeah, it, um, it seems like everyone I talk to from Edmonton who's moved to Vancouver, uh, Edmonton landlords hate pets. Just as a rule, they hate pets. Maybe I'm going to say that that might be the downtown urbanite speaking. It, maybe. Because there are a lot of uh, a lot of high rises and apartments, whatnot, downtown that would probably disallow pets. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that would, I'm not going to say that's necessarily the, uh, 
the nicest place to live in town, but for for the kind of... Uh, but it is where we're looking, as you know. Yes, and that's why I'm suggesting that that might be why you're finding that impediment. Why is, we're screwed, yes. Is that uh, that kind of high-density residential in a very nice area, you're probably going to find most landlords are shying away from the... All right, so here's pets. my plea. Here's my you plea. Could have a, you could have a fish. I don't want a fish. You could have a kick-ass fish. But th- that's only to feed my cat. Here's, <laughs> here's my plea to you, Edmonton landlords. I'm 30. I'm a professional in spite of my conduct on this show. My girlfriend is a teacher. My cat, also a teacher. And very lazy. Very lazy teacher. In fact, she hasn't worked in the school system for a number of years. She is spayed. I trim her claws regularly. I will not declaw her, for that is cruel. She is smarter than you are, and she pays the rent on time. So Rachel and I are looking for a place downtown. If anyone can help us, I know this is pathetic. I know that I'm using our podcast as a means to find a home, uh, preferably near the downtown farmer's market. But there you have it. There you have it. And I have to say... Um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how wonderful social media in this city is again, but people have been incredibly helpful and supportive to us in our search. Cause I've, I've thrown it out there a few times, you know, Rachel and I are looking for a place. We're not having a lot of great luck, a lot of people offering their sympathies for things that fall through. And then there's guys like Gord Lacey, who has helped out, uh, on a number of projects of ours, mostly associated with the Edmontonian Gord is fantastic. Um, he, we're going to have him on the show one of these days because Gord's got a very interesting background around television DVDs. Um, but he's been incredibly helpful and a number of other people have as well. So, um, Edmonton continues to astonish me both, uh, given the fact that no one likes cats, but everyone likes to help me try and find a place to live. It might be easier if you weren't looking in very uh, expensive and desirable parts of the city. I know, I know, but I am unwilling to give up my downtown lifestyle. Fair enough. I've never lived the downtown lifestyle. I live the Millwoods commuter lifestyle. And you, and before that you lived in, well, you-, you I lived, lived in with, St. Albert. But before that you lived with Nita on the south side. Yes, we lived closer to- uh, Southgate. Southgate. That's right. And and St. Albert, tell me about life in St. Albert. Is it the crack-ridden uh, dance party that everyone says it is? No. Oh. St. Albert is actually a really nice community. It is, uh, having been a kid who grew up in St. Albert, I would say it is a great place to raise a family. Unless you live in Habitat for Humanity, and then you're vilified. Yes, apparently. <laughs> By angry letter writers to That's the St. Right. Albert Gazette. Uh, St. Albert was a wonderful community to grow up in. Uh, I am happy that I live in Edmonton now. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I what kind of uh, career could I really have in St. Albert? Uh, Mortician. And and that's not to impugn anybody who has a career in St. Albert. Um, I don't think they call but it is but it is there. a smaller city. There's uh, there's more opportunity in Edmonton. Yeah. And I mean, even when I was living in St. Albert, and this is this is a slam at St. Albert. St. Albert doesn't really have much of a nightlife. It doesn't have much entertainment. Yes. And even when I was a kid, when I wanted to do something with my friends, where were we going? We were going to Edmonton. And I've always kind of considered myself an Edmontonian because more, of that. More specifically, West Edmonton Mall. Well, yeah. Because that's where you went when you were a kid, of course. Yeah. You know what, though? St. Albert's got some interesting stuff going for it. Now, I, I met up with um, 
a wonderful young lady and her husband. Uh, well, this really is not sounding in the way that I wanted. So I wanted to have a threesome, and it had to be in St. Albert. No, my, my good friend um, Jessica lives lived in St. Albert with her husband, Brad. Her name is Riley Cat on Twitter. I highly suggest you follow her. Very gifted graphic designer, that young lady. Now, they've recently purchased a home in South Edmonton closer to White Ave. But they lived in St. Albert uh, up until very recently, and I met them for lunch one day. Don't go to St. Albert very often in spite of the fact that I have family there. But it was kind of cool because they were like uh, – we went to a pub that's owned by Randy Furby or something like that, and it was it was quite nice. And I'm I'm reading about this, um, this new restaurant out there called the Prairie Bistro. Sounds absolutely astounding in terms of – food and food quality. It's all about buying local and that kind of stuff. So that that movement that we're seeing from some of those businesses in Edmonton starting to happen in St. Albert. St. Albert is a thriving community. And mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to say that because I escaped from St. Albert into Edmonton, that that's <laughs> kind of the, the way things go. I absolutely recommend it as a place to be. Um, however, I also work on the South Side and I don't want to commute to the south side every day. And my mother does. God bless her. She, so your mom for, lives in St. Albert and commutes to South like Edmonton? 20 years plus, she has worked for Alberta Agriculture. Their uh, building is over by South Campus, mm-hmm. uh, U of A South Campus. Wow. And like Footfield and all that over mm-hmm. there. Uh, and she has commuted from St. Albert there every day. And I don't envy her that. It would drive me insane. That is some kind of dedication. Yeah. To her job. Yeah. Does she like driving? I hope so. God, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can't imagine doing that. I've been spoiled, though. Um, As I'm so fond of saying and people are so fond of making jokes about it, I live in Riverdale, one of the three dales in the River Valley. Um, One of our recent guests, Kendall Barber, lives in... Cloverdale, and some guy named Ross conquered an area of town called Rossdale. Now, the nice thing about Riverdale is that um, it's sort of east downtown in the River Valley, so you get away from some of that, um, you know, a lot of the poverty that exists up there. And I mean, I hate to say it, I feel guilty even talking about it. We, and I'm not going to justify it. I'm, I don't. I don't want to live near those poor sections of town, but I do want to be close to downtown. And I'm so sorry that that poverty exists. And I will say this, that we support Boyle Street and all the uh, organizations that exist up there. And whenever a homeless fellow walks through our alley, we rush outside and give him a little bit of money in our bottles and cans. Now, it's unfortunate that that's the reality. But I do love living so close to downtown. Most of those people... They're just looking to eke out a living anyway, so I don't consider them, I don't feel threatened by them. And this goes back to that notion of feeling safe in Edmonton and the homicide rate and all that stuff. I still don't feel um, unsafe when when homeless people are walking through our alleys because I, I, I know or I assume they're just trying to, they're just trying to make a living, man. Well, I live in Mill Woods and Mill Woods has had a bit of a reputation for many years as a uh crime-ridden hotbed of... A place to get shot. ...of violence and whatnot. And I must say that 
we live in a very nice part of Millwood. You do, actually. We are a stone's throw away from the Grey Nuns Hospital. We're walking distance to any sort of uh, store or restaurant that we could possibly desire to go to. Uh, it's a wonderful neighborhood. I see kids playing on the street. It's and... uh, it's a very safe uh community and feeling that you get from the community here and I I must say that it's it's quite lovely. So I don't know like and when we first were looking at Millwoods I had that kind of prejudice. Did you? So I was like Millwood, Millwood, Millwoods, Killwoods. Oh, don't know that I don't know if we want to live there, but you know, even when we were uh looking at the house and the neighborhood, it was like this is a really nice place. Oh, yeah, like, and you guys do phenomenal. have a lovely place and you do live in a wonderful community. Um, and you've got a few fantastic neighbors, as I understand it. Yes. A gentleman also, by the name of Fuminizer. Who is my nemesis. What? And You uh, don't like Fu? I didn't say I didn't like him. I He's said your he nemesis. was my nemesis. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and Angel Zilla. Who hasn't been on Twitter for an abnormally uh, long period of time. Yeah. In fact, Fuminizer the other day, if we could get into some Twitter politics here, Yeg, um, was complaining about the fact that his wife had not been on Twitter for a while. What's going on there? What do you think? I don't know. Is she okay? I presume yes. Really? Is it wrong for me to speculate that she's not? Is it libelous? I think it is actually yeah. uh, slander. Slander is when not. When you are spoken. That's right. Yes. And I am speaking libelous, slanderous, awful things. Fuminizer, you find your wife. You get her back on Twitter because we need her. No, Yeg needs her. Yeg needs her. I don't need her. I'm I'm my own man, as you well know. This is great, man. I'm I'm glad that we had the opportunity, or that we're having, because we're in the midst of it, the opportunity to just bullshit. Something that you and I so rarely get to do. On the show, at least. On the show. We bullshit a lot. Not on the show. To each other, to other people. But I often think- To bulls who are shitting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, bull, what are you doing there? Ah, I see. Smells good. But, you know, I, I, th- I feel like I feel like with every subsequent season, all two of them, we've upped our game a little bit. So I'm going to throw this out there with no, I have not prepared Scott for this. This is going to, this question is going to come as a, not a shock, but it's coming out of left field. How do we up our game next season? I have a few ideas about this. Solid gold microphones. Solid gold microphones uh, trumps every other idea that I've had. <laughs> so, so there you go. We need more sponsorship money so that we can buy solid gold microphones. <laughs> Absolutely, not even gold plated. No, no, solid gold. Yeah. So solid that sound won't run through them. All you'll hear is, but it will look fantastic. It'll look so good, and it's so. Such a shame that we're not a video podcast. <laughs> but that does bring me to my thought. Okay. We need to start doing video. And we've talked about this. We have. In fact, we were going to. And we... you purchased a uh, flip cam. God rest the uh, <laughs> the company that designed That's right. the flip cam. Yeah, and then the Cisco bought them and promptly destroyed the line of flip cams. Uh, and, the fl- and, and probably uh, rightly so, because the flip cam that you purchased for us to do video on uh crapped out yeah like the third time we used it yeah i remember actually and you felt so badly about it well not only that i was it was last year 
uh, it was when uh, myself and Anita and several of our friends were going to road trip to uh, Indianapolis mm-hmm. for an event, and uh, it was a wonderful time. We had a we had a fantastic uh, time, and we were going to do a little video log of it, which we would put on the on the web, so that you, our listeners, and our readers on our website could follow along, and it would be some video content. It would be fun. The first time I went to use it, <laughs> the machine broke, yeah. and I was convinced that somehow we had broken it, despite having barely looked at it prior to And that. Scott, when he came back, like, you were so choked. You were like, I don't know what I did. And I was like, I don't, I don't think you did anything. I think it might just be a piece of shit. And it was. And it was. <laughs> but I do own another video camera that is functional. And it's actually, it's not an HD cam, but it, it's pretty good. Well, you know what? We can look forward to some HD, maybe some 3D HD for the fourth season. Probably. Ones but where we're only we planning are... for the third season. That's right. No. Because you never know when this shit is going to sink into the ocean. That's right. Particularly in landlocked Alberta. That's right. But, and I, so I want to do more video and, and Scott and I have bounced a few ideas off each other. We're actually going to... Um, I mean, as many of our listeners will know, we've done a few, we call them half episodes. Yes. As of this moment, we call them half episodes. But yeah. But we've recorded a few extra segments that we've played. Um, I think we only did two this year. I'd like to do more of that kind of stuff. But also special content, not necessarily about the Unknown Studio, but like we've talked about doing radio plays. Have yes, we not? We have. So you might see a series, very short series, because we are busy people, um, of, of radio plays coming out in our third season. Another thing that I wanted to do. Was uh, open another beer. Was open apparently. another beer. Um, but also crush those people at the Edmontonian and make our own TV show. Really? No. I don't really want to do that. I love Jeff and Sally so much. And I just, we've both been on their show as we well. Have. So. Yeah, and and just wanted to highlight how proud I am of them. And I understand how condescending that sounds, and I don't mean for it to. But but Jeff and Sally created this fantastic website right around the same time that we created our show. Indeed, we consider ourselves to share a birthday. We do. And and um they have gone like so far with this stuff. It's yes. so exciting. Because they are more motivated than they we are. are. More motivated and smarter. Yeah, and handsomer. I don't agree with that. I I I can't. Jeff is pretty handsome. Sally's a babe. It's true. Fuck. We can't compete with them. We don't compete with them, in fact. But we have hitched our wagon to their star. <laughs> yeah, we have. So it's, shamelessly. It's really exciting to see what's happening in Edmonton around this kind of stuff. And uh, and we, Scott and I, hope to be doing exciting things. In fact, as exciting as the Edmontonians things, if different things. Yes. I'll drink to that. Oh, Pilsner's gross. <laughs> but it was all that was in the fridge. Every third Wednesday of the month, you can catch The Unknown Studio live, well, almost live, at Story Slam. Scott and I attend, uh, not only for our own entertainment, but to record the stories that are told there every month. And April was no different. The only problem is we haven't had a chance 
And May was no different. The only problem is we haven't had a chance to feature the stories that we heard that evening. And, and this is how it works. Okay, so first we play um, the Unknown Studios pick. That story that uh, maybe it won, maybe it didn't. Uh, if it won, you'd only hear one story this segment. But in this case, it didn't win. Uh, but we really enjoyed it. Scott and I uh, listened to it and decided this was something uh, that you needed to hear. And actually... The story we're about to play for you was uh, written by Edmonton Story Slam stalwart Jason Norman, also known as Belly of a Whale on Twitter. You should follow him right now. Jason is at every single Story Slam. He's always got a story to tell. And right now, we're going to share with you the story that he told last month that Scott and I so thoroughly enjoyed. Here it is. And it was one of those summers... One of those summers that comes along every once in a while with plenty of sun and heat and long days and somehow the nights felt even longer. And it was one of those summers about shared experiences. We all had the same memories. We all, we all remembered the fire at the Vietnamese restaurant, the blackout, the thunderstorm that came out of nowhere and flooded our streets and basements. We all remember that local sports team's victory, the free concert in the park, and we all remember the first day women's bodies started washing up along the banks of the river. It happened with such regularity that it just became another summer thing, like the heat and the thunderstorms, an event that signaled the passing of another day. The women they pulled out of the river by the accounts of the first to find them were all young women. The police chief said that they were dressed like sluts. Everybody nearby clicked their teeth as if they knew what that was supposed to mean and breathed a collective sigh of relief with no trace of fault. They were dressed a certain way, which meant they were a certain way, which meant none of the rest of us had anything to fear. We all tilted our heads as a sign of pity and went back to enjoying our summer. And summer seemed to get better after the bodies started, started appearing. There was an order to things. Crime was something random, but this, this felt like part of a larger scheme. It made everybody feel better, not worse. The dead girls became part of a little schoolyard-type rhyme, one children might shout while playing hopscotch or skipping rope. The beginning could always, have, could always change, but the end part would stay the same. And all the beautiful girls are in the river, and they went in dirty, but they came out clean. It sounded almost spiritual. It became a thing that you said while enjoying an evening out on the porch, sipping lemonade with bourbon in it. And all the fishes are in the sea, and all the birds are in the sky. God's in his heaven, and all the beautiful girls are in the river. They went in dirty, but they came out clean. Mothers used the, the dead girls to frighten their children before bed. You be good and say your prayers and finish those vegetables. Ask God to bless mommy and daddy, or you'll end up like those poor girls in the river. Some started to wonder, however, who might begin to wash up next. The police chief told everyone not to worry. It was a lifestyle thing, a behavioral thing. If we all just dressed a certain way or acted a certain way, there was nothing to worry about. The police in the station, firemen in the fire hall, the devil in hell, and all the beautiful girls are in the river. Some wondered what might happen when winter eventually came. What if more women started to appear floating in the half-frozen river and we could all hop from body to body like polar bear cubs or lumberjacks in British Columbia? 
Where would we put them all? What if it never stopped? It was a housekeeping issue, not a morality issue. We had morality all figured out. And it was one of those summers where nothing ever hurt and we didn't have to worry. And it was the perfect summer to fall in love. The heat slowed down the pace of everything just right. Just like it slowed the river to a lazy crawl and those dead girls floated down like crocodiles and the police chief said we didn't have to worry. We probably didn't even know who they were and they were probably from, some another, from another city upriver anyway. Some place where they let their women look a certain way and act a certain way. Nobody we knew would ever be found floating like that. And because everything event and because eventually everything comes to an end, so did this. Not because we wanted it to or didn't want it to, but it just did. Some of us wondered if the world had run out of beautiful girls. The type of girls who looked a certain way and dressed a certain way and who sometimes even looked at you a certain way. A way which made you feel invincible and very, very warm, like summer. And eventually summer ended and we all went back to work and the priests were in their churches, bees in their hives, children all tucked in bed, hens in the hen house, stars in the sky. And all the beautiful girls were in the river and they went in dirty, but they came out clean. Not bad. Jason uh, is... I don't know. What is that, Jason? One for the last three anyway. I mean, you know, it didn't win that night, but Scott and I still thoroughly enjoyed the story that you told. So thank you. Now we'll go on to the winner of Edmonton's Story Slam for the month of May, a lady by the name of Alyssa Hudson. She captured the hearts and minds of everyone that evening with a story that begins with, well, something of a bit of a cliched phrase, but... Well, she made it work. Here, here's Alyssa Hudson's winning story. Dear Diary, I went to see Harold today. I wonder if he will ever recognize my face again. It's humiliating having to tell him who I am every day. I'm sure the nurses don't believe he ever even knew me. It's hard to love a man for 50 years and live to see him live to see forgetting. Then again, no one ever said that a woman's is easy work. It's his birthday tomorrow. I was going to bring him the marigold that I planted in May, but sadly, even Harold is doing better than the marigold. I thought that it would get a lot of sun where it is, but Hazel had to build her new shed right up against the fence, and it had to be taller than any shed should be. It casts such a shadow. It's indecent, really. Harold would have said something to her. He would have asked her politely but firmly to put the shed along the back fence. She, would have, she wouldn't have liked it. Her prize-winning petunias would have had to find a new home, but I know she would have listened to Harold. He could have talked her into being courteous. Harold could talk almost anyone into almost anything. Like that time Ben Simpson from down the street wanted to prevent the Gonzalez family from moving into the neighborhood. Well, 
Harold went over and calmly explained that our neighborhood could only benefit from the rich cultural diversity that Ben was trying so hard to stop, and that if individuals started to have a say about who lived in their neighborhoods, then there were several people who would be sure to have Ben himself thrown out. That conversation was the talk of the neighborhood, and although Ben may not have liked it, he never did launch his official protest. Harold always had such a strong moral character. He was a strong man in all regards. I sometimes wonder about Harold's current happiness. I mean, how can a man who has carried such weight in the community, who has taken great pride in providing for his wife and children with a good home and food on the table, who has been such a tremendous influence on, of goodness over strangers and loved ones alike, be content in being spoon-fed soup and rolled over on a schedule. It would be one thing if he were being cared for by someone who loved him, but to have nurses that don't really give a damn about him, patronize him with their rigid routines and emasculating rules is just about the saddest thing I can think of. And to think, his own children forced him into that home because according to them, his own wife couldn't possibly care for him well enough. The same woman who took care of them when they were infants, who changed the diapers and ran the beds, oh no. So, there you have someone who has no one to really care for him. I sit here alone without someone to really care for. I saw Hazel this morning weeding her front flower beds. As much as I hate to admit it, they are beautiful. Sometimes when I am almost home from a walk to the market, I pass by her yard and look at the flowers and imagine that they are mine. Sometimes I even end up walking the steps up to her house in such a way that anyone who saw me might think that it was my house. Today, though, I couldn't. She was in her yard weeding. I would have looked suspicious. <laughs> Instead, I just stopped for a moment and asked, How's your husband? Harold is fine, she said. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at guru digitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. This is Adam coming to you almost live from Cafe Sorrentino on 107th Avenue and 109th Street and I'm sitting here with two people who are asking the question, what the truck? I've got Mac Mail with me. Hello, Mac. Hey, Adam. And Sharon Yo, how are you doing, Sharon? I'm good, thank you, Adam. So, what the truck, you guys? What was the uh, what's what's going on with this big event that's happening on June 24th? 
So what the truck was inspired by um, a visit that we had last fall to San Francisco um, in the fall and we stumbled upon this food truck event where 20 food trucks had taken over our parking lot. Um, there was music, uh, there was a full bar, it was a great atmosphere, there was tons of people, people were lined up um, and really excited to eat outside. So we thought why not bring this to Edmonton? We have a burgeoning food truck culture here and we think this will help with the food truck culture and uh, yeah, so we decided to plan it, and all the food truck vendors have been really supportive, so we're excited for the 24th. And so um, we know why you came up with it. Uh, what were some of the challenges actually planning the event? Well, one of the first ones was picking a name. <laughs> we liked Off the Grid in San Francisco, and we're like, what can we call this thing? And I don't know, sometime, somehow we came up with uh, What the Truck, and I was talking to somebody this morning, and they're like, you're doing that Truck Off event, right? And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good, actually. We should have gone with Truck Off. Um, but no, we came up with about the truck and I'm, I'm happy with it. It's memorable. Uh, but seriously, some of the challenges were uh, we wanted to do it in a parking lot originally. Um, there's lots of parking lots downtown that are underutilized and we tried to get a couple of them and it, it didn't pan out. So we decided to go with the, the city park for the first one at least to hopefully have a successful event and get people thinking about maybe allowing us to do it in a parking lot the next time. Uh, another challenge was just food permits and stuff. It's kind of a mess the way it works right now at the city and we think it could be streamlined and improved a little bit so it was a good learning experience as well. Cool so uh, day of I walk up to Beaver Hills Park for what the truck what can I expect to see and experience there? So there's no admission cost. Um, we've had some questions about whether or not we're charging admission, and we're not. Um, we did some research on food truck uh, festivals in other cities, and the ones that charged admission um, failed miserably. So um, all of the money that people will bring will go towards food. They bring cash. They don't have to buy tickets. They pay at the directly at the trucks uh, that they'd like to sample. Um, but we've got seven food trucks, um, ranging from dessert to savory items. So come hungry. All right, and what kind of food items? Uh, I, I happen to know that the waffle guy is going to be there, but uh, but what other interesting food carts are we going to see there? Um, Fat Frank's, of course, everyone's favorite Edmonton food cart. They're going to be there with their uh, their delicious hot dogs. Um, some other favorites from the from the city market. So the Fork and Spoon Brigade is going to be there. They do a particularly tasty breakfast, um, all day breakfast. Uh, Phyllis Sticks is going to be there. They're also at the city market. Uh, Funky Pickle, pizza place. So if you're if hot dogs aren't your thing, you can go for some pizza. Uh, carnival Cravings to, to bring out the kid in you. So they're doing mini donuts and you know some of the carnival stuff that you might get on the midway. And, uh, and the one I'm looking forward to, because I'm a huge fan of chicken for lunch, is the Lingnan. They're going to have a food truck there as well, serving up some of their uh, tasty Asian food. And that's that's their foray into the world of food truckery, is it not? Yeah, they had a food truck. I mean, they've had the food truck out at maybe one or two events in the last year, but not really. So, yeah, hopefully this will be a good launching pad for them, and we'll see the truck around Edmonton more often. Cool. Now, what are your guys' ultimate goals uh, for this event, other than, you know, just really showing Edmontonians the variety of, of food truck options out there? What are you hoping to accomplish with this? We're hoping to bring people downtown. Uh, we're hoping because it's on a Friday afternoon that some of the people who might live um, outside of downtown might stick around for a while. Um, we've had some people tell us, you know, we're bringing all of our office mates after work on Friday. So, um, you know, we hope it'll help bring people on the street, you know, make the street vibrant, um, encourage pedestrianism. It was really important for us to have a location that was accessible by public transit so people could get here and not necessarily have to drive to the location. So um, vibrancy in the street is definitely one of our goals. And also, um, you know, hopefully raising awareness about food trucks in Edmonton. Um, as soon as we, we posted the information and stuff on Friday last week, 
um, we heard from three other food truck um, people who are starting food trucks. So that was really exciting to hear, and I hope that's a trend that continues. People getting into the business and seeing that it can be a vital or um, a successful thing downtown in Edmonton. Um, and then also a bit from the political aspect, hopefully we can improve the the guidelines and the bylaws and the permits and stuff like that to make it easier to be a food truck vendor in the city. Sure. Now, will this be the one and only event for the summer, or do, are we sort of, sort of waiting to see how the event goes? Um, I think if it's really successful, and, and we hope that it is, um, if people come out, that we can make this an ongoing event. Um, the great thing about it being food trucks and food trailers is they're mobile, so we can move this event around. Um, you know, people have actually come forward and asked for this event in their in their community. So, um, yeah, we hope that everyone comes out and enjoys themselves, and we could definitely keep going. Right on. Tell me a little bit about uh, you. You worked with Gabe Wong on the visual identity. Um, uh, how important was it to have a uh, sort of distinct brand for the event? Well, Sheridan and I, you know, we do a lot online, but we're not really graphic designers. <laughs> um, and it was kind of cool to to have Gabe work with us. And we kind of sprung it on him, like, kind of last minute. And he was really great. Uh, and he worked with us to come up with the logo. And he did a fantastic job of really just capturing the tone. So, you know, what the truck, the name, everything about it is kind of fun and a little whimsical. And, and he just ran with that tone. And he didn't really need anything else. And he came up with the logo. So... It was good for us to work with someone local. We really wanted that. And we're going to have a couple of DJs at the event as well to provide some music. Also local guys, Thomas Scott and Mark Carnes. So, yeah, we wanted to work with somebody local and sort of add some other Edmonton flavor into the event. So we're really happy with what Gabe came up with. Yeah, it looks great. Now, the event takes place Friday, June 24th from 4 to 8 p.m. And where can people find you guys on the web? So our website is wetthetruck.ca. Um, we're hoping in the next week or so to update the website with menus. So if people want to come back uh, next week, um, we'll have the selection of what people can expect for food. Right on. Thank you both for uh, chatting with me this afternoon. Thank you. We'll see you at the event. Thanks. So we've come a long way, and our next episode is going to be very exciting. It is our third season. Is it the season finale or it, the season premiere? Next next episode will be our season finale. Okay, it so be, it'll be the end of season two. That's right, because it'll be episode, what episode number are we on? This is 51. It'll be 52. And then, and then, ladies and gentlemen, Scott and I will take a break over July. Short break. Very short break. And we'll come back in August, fast and furious. Probably just furious. I don't know about fast. I, I plan to be drunk much of the summer. Now, you should keep your eye on our website, however. Oh, although, my God. Although the uh, podcast will be taking a, uh, a break mm -hmm. before we kick off season three, uh, the website will continue to be updated with content. Yes. Uh, we have neglected it. We have. We've, we've even said in the past that we've been neglecting it, and, and it's true. And there's nothing worse than a blog post apologizing for the lack of blog posts. And we've had at least four of them. Probably. But that, that's the thing of the past. We are going to uh, redouble our efforts, mm -hmm. and we pledge to you that there will be regular blogification on our website into the near future. In fact, here we go. Starting right now. Aside from the days this podcast gets released, which, as you know, is every two weeks, you can count on a piece of content on theunknownstudio.ca every Monday, 
Friday and, and Saturday. Saturday. That's right. At least. There might be more. There may be more. But that's what we're committing to officially. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Edmonton that Scott and I just don't have the opportunity to cover here at the Unknown Studio. And we will cover it on the website. We will. And you'll be able to read about it there. That's right. Because that's what covering means. Well, that and putting something on top of something else. That is sort of what we're doing at the website. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, look. Beer. So we should uh, take a moment at this time to thank some people who have been there with us for some time. When we look back in the sand of our show and we see only one set of footprints, it is because our sponsors were standing <laughs> on each other's shoulders it was a, and carrying us. It was, it was a single individual, three heads tall. Uh, and we like to call them our sponsors. And we start with our friends at The, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Journal. That's right. Those magnificent... Ink-stained wretches, underpaid though they are, sought to give us no money. That's right. But they, they gave us give support. Us support. Huge and they support. they continue to give us support. They do, actually. And uh, they actually link to us from their blogs page, where you can actually read a roundup of other Edmonton blogs. So go to edmontonjournal.com slash blogs. And they support us by talking about us on Twitter and, and in various events and whatnot. I think it's fair to say we love the Edmonton Journal. I agree. We also love Guru Digital Arts College. They are the Hogwarts of Edmonton's digital media education scene. It's true. Led by their very own Dumbledore, a wise bearded man named Owen Brierley. Owen Brierley is smarter than all of our dads combined, planet Earth. And, <laughs> and has all of that fatherly wisdom. And he's just willing to give it to you. You he just is. have to ask him. Yeah, just ask he'll, him. He'll tell you how to change a tire. <laughs> he'll uh, he'll show you how to open a beer. And he'll he'll teach you how to design a website. That's right. So all you need to do is ask Owen Brierley to give it to you. And speaking of giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's so wrong. <laughs> We're terrible <laughs> this at is this great. This is good. It's because we don't have a guest here. To rein in our no. regular craziness. This is good, man. People want the crazy. They don't want it all the time. Maybe once a year. The day, the episode before our season finale. That's right. Yeah. Seriously, though. Seriously. Our third sponsor. A very awesome place. And in fact, uh, particularly topical... Because it is Pride Week, my friends. As we are recording the show. It's yeah. true, yes. And, and and I actually got a chance to catch some of the parade uh, over the weekend and um, thought it was bigger than last year. Bigger and better. Lots of, it seemed like there were a lot more people there to watch and a lot more people that were part of the parade. It was great. Which is good. And, and uh, one of the great supporters of Pride in Edmonton, of course, are our friends at the Traveling Tickle Trunk. That's right. They are... Edmonton's sex positive sex store. Mm -hmm. And they will sell you toys. They will. Uh, They'll lubricate you. Provide you with courses. Yes. Showing you, if you how to please your lover or lovers. I'm not 
a judgmental man? In fact, they did, or are in the midst of doing, I'm, I can't remember, but they did a session on polyamory. There you go. So, so lovers, plural, very possible. Absolutely, very possible, and they're doing great work in the city of Edmonton. We, we, we thank them so much, in fact, for providing our show with content. That's right. You're not, you're not hearing it this episode, but you will next, Sex Talk with Lauren from the Traveling Tickle Trunk. So right. awesome to have that. You can also check out their website, follow them on Twitter. You can check out their store. They have a brick and mortar store. Go to White Avenue just west of 99th Street on the south side of the street. Big pink awning. You can't miss it. Go in there and have a conversation with them because they are phenomenal. Now What? Now we talk about the Star Trek movie coming out in 2012. Really? No. I've heard 2013, actually. So I heard. I heard 2012. I heard someone say 2012, and that seemed wrong to me because that's a year away. Do you think J.J. could pull that off? Uh, he might be able to. He seems like an impressive man. He's a busy man. He just made that Super 8 movie that just came out. Which is apparently doing quite well. Uh, I've heard middling reviews, mm. but uh, it has been doing well at the box office so will, far. Will you see it? I am very interested in seeing it. From what I've heard, the parts that work well work very well. And the parts that don't work well stand out more because oh, of what's no. working well. So that's, that's not good. It's kind of a middle-ish movie. It brings like the a sadness. B minus. Oh. No one, no one wants to hear that. It's no. the minus. It's the minus. Now, have you seen the new X-Men movie? Not yet. Oh, it's on my 2C list as well. Now, I have to say, uh, Greg Beaver, who's been on the show, commented that he did not like it. Interesting, because everyone else in the world seems to suggest that it was the best one. I'm not sure what Greg was expecting, but uh, it was my favorite X-Men movie. Rachel and I saw it last weekend and really enjoyed it. One reviewer suggested... That it was not just an excellent X-Men movie, but it was an excellent superhero movie. One of only two excellent superhero movies. And the other is The Dark Knight. He suggested X-Men First Class is on a level with The Dark Knight. Okay, now... Oh, oh dear. I don't know if I agree with that. And, And speaking as someone who didn't until very recently, as recently as yesterday... Like The Dark Knight. It took me about three watches to really get it. Not get it. I understood the plot. I got it. But I just wasn't sold on The Dark Knight. And I watched it last night and I thought, this, it's brilliant. I thought The Dark Knight was brilliant. It was a little too long. I still maintain it was too long. But it took you in all the right places. It made you think all the right things, awkward though they were. I don't think that X-Men First Class matches up to that. I'm sorry. But will you think that in three viewings? Touche, Scott C. Bourgeois. Touche. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I don't. I mean, I mean... Um, what, makes a, what makes a good superhero movie? Uh, um, Why is it that Hollywood has only recently realized what it is that makes a good superhero I think there's a couple things that make a good superhero movie. First of all, um, I think that it's, you do need some degree of action. Yes. But it cannot be a crutch. No. That cannot be the only thing that carries you through the film. Just like a good video game, 
you still need excellent story, character development, all that stuff. The Dark Knight absolutely had that. And I have to say, um, yes, Christian Bale did an excellent job as Batman, but you can't match Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker. You can't. No. He was so creepy. Yes. And so excellent. Yes. And while I will say that Magneto and Professor X uh, in this new X-Men movie were very compelling, they were not on the same level as that. Fair enough. They just weren't. And if that's if that's the benchmark, then The Dark Knight is still a better film. From a uh, structure point of view as well, in a comic book, a hero, a superhero is only as good as their villain. True. As their supervillain. And that needs to translate onto the film as well. And I think that The Dark Knight hit that as well with Batman and, and the Joker. They were both very well developed. And they were both Batman, not as much in the Dark Knight because he'd already experienced a lot of the growth in the first. The in ba- first Batman movie. Begins, yes, that's right. Uh, but the Joker got a lot of excellent development. Did he ever? And you don't even need to know what his backstory is but because you, that's not important. But you do get some of that throughout the film, and that was really good. Like he explains why he cut his face. Does he? Yeah. Well, he said he tells a story. He has kind of a multiple choice background, and that's part of his character it doesn't it doesn't matter why he is what matters is that he is and that's true of the joker in the comic as well and that's definitely one part of the portrayal that came over is the comic has never exactly totally nailed down just who the joker is there's been some backstory for him but a lot of it is contradictory some of it is outright uh bizarre and the Joker himself has said in a comic before, I prefer to have a multiple choice background because where the Joker came from is not as important as the fact that he is here right now up in your face threatening to cut you with a fish. And that's awesome. And yeah. that's what makes him awesome. Yeah, you're not going to run into that uh, depth or complexity in X-Men First Class. Not to say that it isn't a great film because I really enjoyed it and I thought it was... An excellent relaunch uh, to this series, and I will say this, not a spoiler, but as you know, with any PG-13 film, you can only say the F-word once. Best use of the F-word in contemporary film. It is a precision F-strike. It, it is just in context, I will say that in context, it's very effectively used. And used in a phrase that is very common, but given who says it, just to tease you a little bit, oh, outstanding. There you go. And this coming from a man who uh, is a connoisseur of vulgarity. Yes. So you know what you're speaking. You speak from a voice of authority. I do. I absolutely fucking do. So we're coming near the end of season two. We've got one more episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be an indulgence for geeks everywhere. Especially for you. Not as much for me. Well, I wish you could be there, man. Well, I'll just have to line up a guest who makes your conversation with Jonathan Frakes pale in comparison. I, I believe you will. I believe you may. I don't think you will. But I think you'll try. I will try. And that is half the battle, my friend. So, as uh, the rest of Edmonton enjoys a wonderful summer and it has been pretty wonderful it's so been far. great so far we uh knock on wood 
we're quite fortunate with our summers here. We, last summer was shitty. This summer, I think it's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good so far. Yeah. Say what you will about Edmonton oh. winters, but Edmonton summers can be pretty awesome. And before we leave, and I know you you downplayed this when I talked about it, but congratulations on your Sterling Award nomination. Uh, yes. And that is all I'll say. Okay. And that's all you have to say. I uh, accept your congratulations in Scott, the spirit it was meant. <laughs> Scott was nominated for a Sterling Award. Okay. Not everybody knows what the Sterling Award is. Let's, let's explain it to um, you. This which is I great, found man. out- uh, recently. We have to celebrate our successes, Scott. The Sterling Awards are essentially uh, the big theater awards handed out in the Edmonton community, the Edmonton theater community uh, once a year. Yep. Um, they have essentially two broad categories and there are many, 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 many different uh, awards that are given out. The two broad categories are the shows that played over the last theater season. Mm-hmm. And the other broad category is just dealing with the fringe as its own entity. Okay. Um, as I'm sure we've mentioned on the show before, I co-wrote a script which yes. appeared in last year's Fringe Festival. And it was called? Game Face. There you go. And uh, myself and my co-writer, Morgan Smith, ended up being nominated for uh, outstanding new fringe work, basically. And uh, Morgan actually, kudos to her, also got nominated for outstanding actress in a fringe performance for her role in that show. Awesome. Um, We're both very happy for the nominations. We're not expecting to win because we're up against some phenomenal people. And I mean, being nominated in itself, you hear it all the time. And it sounds lame on stage at the Oscars too, that, oh, it's, you know, it's just a thrill to be nominated. But really, we, we were very proud of the show and to be amongst uh, a very small group that were chosen by uh, the, the Sterling jurors who take their job very seriously. They go see every show at the Fringe, literally every show at the Fringe. And for that, they only pick a handful to get nominated for a Sterling. So to be amongst those is a great honor and does validate the work that we put into the script. So I will say in all sincerity, it is an honor just to be nominated (laughs) and leave it at that. All right. Well, we're very excited for you. Very proud. Even though pride, I had nothing to do with it. You're just a very talented writer. Well, thank you. This is great. This is very good. So we've come to the end of an indulgent show. The, uh, on the eve, as it were, of of our our season finale. Absolutely. Which will be... Every bit as spectacular as you're dreaming. I hope you're imaginative. Scott just looked away disgusted. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, we're very excited because it's, you know, we're celebrating our second birthday when uh, our next show comes out. We've done 51 episodes as of right now. Which is astonishing. And uh, and we're very happy to uh, be part of this great community that is Edmonton, particularly during the summer. And we're very happy that you have made us part of your listening routine. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our 70s of listeners. I want to, you know what? I remember what I wanted to say at the beginning of the show. And it took all the way to the end of the show you to remember well, what I've, to say. I've been drinking, but I did want to thank you guys so much because Scott, I don't know if you know this, but our 50th episode has been downloaded over a thousand times. Wow. Yeah. That's actually astonishing. It is absolutely, it is, um, inside of 
two weeks. That's the best our show has ever done. So thank you so much for listening to us. We're so excited. So glad that you give a fuck. Because God knows we don't. That's not true. No. We care a great deal. We do. And uh, we value your, I want to say patronage, but I'm not certain if that is what it is. It might be sort of. Thanks for downloading us and for... Thanks for patronizing For listening us. to us. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we hope to bring you lots of good, good stuff in the future. Yes. Are we done? Yes. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 51. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Yes, it's true, The Unknown Studio. We are recording, and Scott has left the room, which means it's my turn to do and say all the terrible things that I don't get to say uh, when we're actually recording the show, the things that I need to hold back on. So now, let me give you my opinion on what is really going on Yeah, that's all I got. That is really all that I could come up with. It's it's quite depressing actually when when you do when you think you're so funny and you say something and then right away, right away, without anyone even commenting, you just know you're not. And that is the position that I'm in today, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. It's true. It is true. Not as funny as I think. Not nearly as funny as any of you thinks. <laughs>